You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. All right, John and I are here to talk on this overtime about this third season of Westworld on HBO. Uh, as those who have been listening for a very long time know that one of the first shows that we did after uh, Game of Thrones was Westworld on HBO. So John and I are returning back to our semi-roots to talk about the third season of Westworld and and what we picked up from that. So John, how did you feel about the third season of Westworld before getting into it? I was blown away by the departure and yet still the relevant themes and its prescience and its ability to predict, um, in some ways, our current state of events. And just in general, uh, I thought it was like, this is how you continue a series where it could have been just reductive to stay in Westworld. Um, I don't think we go there except for like maybe a couple of quick trips to just kind of in the general environment, like the, the main laboratories, I think. We mostly are not in Westworld. Um, we're in the real world, essentially. And it's, I loved everything about it, everything that they showed us. <laughs> yeah. You know, going out of season two into season three, I really didn't know what, what they were going to show us in season three because the way season two ended, I seemed pretty, pretty for now, other than the fact that you saw, uh, Dolores and Dolores inside of Hale and, uh, Bernard outside in the real world. But like, where, where else were you going to go? Like everybody at Delos was destroyed or not destroyed, but, uh, killed, right? Yeah. Most of the big wigs and the company was essentially in like dire straits at this point, uh, which we can to find out. Not really. Yeah, like it, they really. kind of just the covered it up for the most part, and they're like, "Ah, that was a mishap, but we're restructuring things and you know business as usual." But yeah, they 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 do say that there was a big massacre at Westworld, and they blame it all on Bernard, and they even put out his face and say, "Hey, uh, be on the lookout for this guy, the butcher, or something, yeah. a name or something like that, right?" Yeah, uh, and and it looks like he's like in hiding in like Vietnam or something. Yeah, he's he, the, he like thinks that shaving his head and obviously looks like he put on some muscle uh, uh, is going to be enough to 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 hide the fact that he's that he has the same face as the guy who they're saying killed all those people at Westworld. Um, we do get to have a bit of a closure, so to speak, with um. The the guy that Bernard is based off of with uh, Arnold Lowe. 
Yeah. Cause we get to go see Lowe's uh is no well, I guess that's the question. Is that Lowe's widow? Was that Bernard's widow? I don't Gina Torres's character. Yeah. That was supposed to be his uh, Bernard's wait. Arnold. That was supposed to be Arnold's uh wife. But that was all part of a a, a capstone, uh, a basis that they used to make Bernard more human, right? Like the ha- fact that he had a wife and they had a kid and that the kid died. But is that taken from Lowe's life? Yeah, that uh, that really happened in the narrative. That was real. Oh, okay. It just, it just wasn't real for Bernard because he was the host. Right. So he gets to go and see Gina Torres who doesn't recognize him as Arnold, but obviously is much older or is much younger than what Arnold should be if he hadn't died, right? Plus, she also looks like she's suffering from dementia. Yeah, that's true. She is suffering from dementia. What did you take from that? Like, I know I'm just, I'm skipping way to the end, but like, <laughs> what did you think of that interaction? Um, I thought it was kind of emotional, kind of heartfelt. I got some vibes of uh, Captain seeing Peggy Carter, you know, before her death again. Um, that's it, it is a form of closure. And one of the main things that we're realizing here or we're meant to take away is that the host at this point, even though they're artificial beings, have now a mind of their own. So the emotions that they were fed, all they, they were fake, to them, they were real. You know, that they, they felt they went through the same things that a real person would have gone, even though it's just algorithms and programming, um, whatever it is, that spark that gave them their individuality for him, it was like he really did go through it, even though it was all a lie. So we learned that uh, jumping back to the uh, kind of jumping back to the beginning, we, we, we learned that, around. That's okay. The show does it. Why not us? <laughs> <laughs> we learned that Dolores or, uh, Wyatt or <laughs> whatever else name you want to give her. Who's, uh, what's, what's her Espen? Uh, at one point, she has the name of Espen, Laura Espen, in the show. Uh, pulled out five cores. Uh, from West pearls. Pearls. That's right. Pearls. Uh, with her when she came out of Westworld. Now, we did you see this was coming? I did not. <laughs> Me neither. And I loved it because you you. Yeah, jumping around a little bit, you know, at the end of season two, you see that you could easily take out cores of a, of a host and kind of take them with you. So you're very much led to believe that she's taking maybe some of her favorite people or people that could help her. Teddy being, you know, probably one of the most likely suspects, uh, maybe a couple of others, um, Maeve or um, the other hooker with a weird face. Uh, yeah. Yeah, played by Angels, was it Seraphian, whatever her name is. Anyway, um, I know her name is like Penny Feather or something like that. But um, yeah, so you're led to believe that that's the case. Uh, but and, and at the beginning of the show, they're still kind of playing with that. You can clearly tell in retrospect that oh yeah, they were definitely misleading you or misinforming uh, <laughs> you on that. And then you come to find out that that wasn't the case at all. It was actually something much more interesting. Yeah. So one of the the cores was definitely Bernard and they made, they made a new body for him so that he can go run around and be the person that they blame for the massacre. But the other five or four, four, all other five, another five were all just copies of of Dolores. 
Yeah, <laughs> different versions of herself. If you let, let's try to narrow it down, because we had the Dolores Prime still had her Dolores body, right. and the one that was in Charlotte, yeah, and then the one that was in that dude that has the Glasgow scar, yes, and then you have, uh, I believe, one of the attendants or one of the workers, like office assistants at Delos, I think was also one of them. Uh, if I'm not I don't know about that one. Because you still have the Japanese man. Yeah, and then... Um, and then you also yeah. have Clifton Collins Jr. as a cop. Oh, that's right. Okay, so that was five. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which was interesting just to see him show up for half a scene. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they were just pulling the cores out of where... Or the pearls out of wherever and then putting them into new bodies. And she just made bodies of, of people that she knew. Obviously, the, the guy that was... Um, uh what was his name i know he's played by um dang it he's played by the 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 scottish man or is it irish man i believe he's irish let me see he was the security guy for gallagher jr guy uh John Gallagher Jr. was played by Liam, Liam Dempsey, or was played. Liam Dempsey was played by John Gallagher Jr. Connells, Martin Connells, was t- played by Tommy Flanagan, and he was a real life person that got his body remade and had a Dolores Pearl put in him or put in that body. Right, yeah. So that was the, the only thing that was different, right? Like everybody else was bodies of people that she knew or were associated with in Westworld. And now she picked someone in the real world to help get closer to Dempsey. Yes. But you also think that there was someone in Delos. Um, I could have been mistaken for another security person, but no, I think you're right. That narrows it down. And that does look like that's everyone. Okay. Um, with that, then, uh, I was completely surprised. Like I did not think that that's what, how she would play that, but it makes the most sense. Yeah. And it makes it even more interesting because then you have the dynamic between like Dolores prime and Charlotte Hale Dolores, where they don't agree with what they're doing with each other. So no this, one's trying to boss the other one around and the other one's like, no, I don't like this. <laughs> well, this is well. see. That was the funny thing, too. Like when they show the flashback of when the Charlotte Hale Dolores first came into existence, she was more of the Dolores Abernathy. That was farm girl Dolores, like just kind of living on the farm, not knowing what to do. She was very much more meek than the Wyatt Dolores, so to speak. Um, but this is the thing that you and I always have the debate on, right? Like just because it's a digital person doesn't mean it's not a person. So as soon as Charlotte Hale Dolores became uh, awakened, she did have all the same memories as the Wyatt Dolores, but then after that point started creating her own, thus becoming, becoming her own person, becoming a lot more like Charlotte. And and yeah, and that's because she was also being exposed to Charlotte's family life and having to essentially take the place of um, Charlotte's kid's mom 
which was having to force her to do, use her nurturing side. So right then and there, yeah, the, the two Dolores' personalities split. And one is still focused on their mission, and the other one is having to balance, you know, having to be the head of Delos plus the mother to this child. And they even say, I think a couple of times, that the kid knows almost right away that this isn't her mom because uh, his mom, well, his mom, because the real Charlotte was not nearly that attentive to him. (laughs) I was like, wow, like a robot is a better mother than the real Charlotte. That says a lot. (laughs) I mean, there are many times when Michael Ely, as his character, points out that you're not a good mom, that you... You do, you do things that, that aren't good for uh, the son, especially leaving him at school. And we come to learn that the school is, you know, there's a, a pedophile on, on premises around there somewhere, basically in the park area. Um, oh, my. Yeah, when the Charlotte Hill Dolores, you know, shows up and sees that this dude is preying on her son, not, well, not her son, but her surrogate son, she kills him, like, chokes him out. I don't know if she breaks his neck or not, but steals his dog and essentially gives the kid a, a dog. Yeah, I mean, like she's definitely has the the mama lion in her. I mean, it's 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 all there, so it's it's appropriate. Yeah, and the uh, so that being said, you know the I guess the acting is not something that we normally talk about in this show. But different characters having to play like different versions of themselves or other people, I thought was really good and really well handled in this one. Um, where like normally you'd have to really suspend your disbelief that Lawrence is, you know, now actually someone else in his body. Mm-hmm. But by that point, I went with it. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, Dolores is in there for sure. I get it. You know, like it wasn't even that much of a stretch at that point from how well it was being done throughout the whole season. However, I do have to ask, how do you place uh, the Japanese body with Dolores in it at the head of a Yakuza gang when he's just probably just showed up out of nowhere? Like, does he just start killing people and say, I'm the new leader? I'm assuming like the the Liam character, it was probably someone that was real and then they just replaced him or she replaced him. That's but what he, I'm happened there. He looked like the version that was in Westworld. Oh yeah, that's true. He looked like uh, what was his name, Mifune? Something I don't remember. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think it was supposed to be a play on that big uh, samurai guy from Japanese history. But uh, yeah, you're right. He looks just like him. So maybe he went in and just supplanted himself somehow. I guess. I mean, there's definitely some things that are left up to uh, maybe plot devices. I guess. You know, yeah, we don't really know how some of these things got put in place, um, but still, I mean, that made for some really interesting dynamics. And with the whole side story of Maeve, it essentially became kind of like we discussed a bit earlier. This was Civil War, and you had like a Captain and Iron Man with uh, Maeve and Dolores in this situation. True, and uh, Maeve definitely had like more backing support for this and straight up superpowers still (laughs) which yeah that's uh i I wanted to bring that up like the first time we see mave essentially wake up 
well, we see her wake up in War World, which is a world that's like what Fr- uh, Nazi occupied France or something like that. And, like Italy. Oh, Nazi Nazi occupied Italy, and uh, she is right. She's supposed to be playing like a English spy character or whatever. Uh, she gets killed there, and then she wakes up in what would normally be the West World. Uh, refrigerated area, like where she has to get reprogrammed. Yeah, like those maintenance labs. Yeah, we see those characters again that we know are dead, and I was like, "What is going on here?" Including and, um, what was his name? Uh, the English writer guy. Yes, uh, I re- I remember I saw it somewhere after the fact, and I was like, "Oh no, way! That's actually kind of clever." Uh, his name is actually a a pun. Um. But I can't remember it right off the top of my head now. Um, I'll have to come to me as we keep discussing, I guess. But uh, yeah, so she's there. And it turns out that um, this is a simulation within a simulation. Yeah. <laughs> which was really neat how she figured that out, too. Oh, Lee Sizemore. That's the name uh, yeah. of the writer. That's right, Lee Sizemore. Um, oh, that's right. His name, the pun of his name is that less is more. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember it off the top of my head, but yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really clever how she still is like, hmm, this isn't right. She's thing starts to. Uh, I, I love that idea of making that calculation or whatever that is. Um, Because I remember that that's from somewhere. That was like from an old Star Trek episode or something about how to trip up uh, a purely logical entity is by giving it like an illogical or an irrational uh, like formula, basically. So yeah, like that basically tripped up the the RAM of the simulation and she was able to break out of it. I was like, dude, that's genius. I love that. (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, it was a great way of doing it and then showing Lee that like he's not someone like i love that she was like picked it apart she's like you did you liked me but you didn't like me like this like it was a totally different type of thing and this whoever created you is was off the marker altogether but then she's able to start seeing through the the electronics that are in the room that she's in as as a pearl like she's become so powerful that she can control the electronics that are around her when she's out of in the real world. Yeah. She hijacks one of the like drones there mm-hmm. and it's like takes her own Pearl. doesn't make it, but does a good run for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that it was a good thing that our newest, one of our newest characters uh, played by Vincent Castle uh, or Cassell or however you say his name, but Cassell. Uh, Engarond Serac. Yeah, Serac. Serac. Like I kept sitting there trying to be like, uh, is this another uh, anagram? Is his name spin- spell out something? Because the name Serac just seemed so peculiar. Like I wanted it to be something, but I well, I I believe it definitely is. And I did something very different with this season uh, since we were all going to watch it like in just one big chunk instead of by week. I wasn't following the Reddit posts. Um, with all the theories and all the connections and all the references that other people capture. Uh, but I'm definitely sure that there's more to his, the meaning of his name because the naming of the computer system that they were making was not subtle. <laughs> well, okay. So what does that word mean? 
Um, well, the other two versions, like the two uh, previous versions of the the machines, were both taken from the Book of Genesis. I think one of them was like Abel, and the other one was Cain. I think those were like the two brothers from um, the Book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. And, um, they were- and then, yes, and then Ro- what was it? Rehobam. Rehobam. Yeah. Like I was like, why such a odd name? Like they never gave you an explanation of why. Yeah, it's. Um, I know that that has to be something. Um, it's in Hebrew, and uh, all I know right off the top of my head from like the previous research I've done is that it's a meaning of um, something that enlarges the people. Okay. Um, and I uh, okay. A brief research here shows that it's the name of the son of Solomon. Okay. Uh, and he succeeds he succeeds his father as the king of Israel. Um, but the, his subject revolted because of high taxes. So again, there's some kind of meta commentary there uh, relating to revolting of the people and civil war sparking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of Old Testament stuff in there relating to the control, the domination, and the steering of humanity, uh, the stewardship of it, and how Sirach felt like, I guess, between him and his brother, after witnessing the destruction via nuclear war of their city. Of Paris. Like, yeah, Paris. They're like, nope, humanity needs to get put back in the right track. And thankfully, they were both computer geniuses, his brother more so, even though he was also uh, mentally impeded by his genius, created this system of control that took their whole lives to implement, cost his brother his sanity, and um, gave us that really awesome visual identifier for the system of control with that completely white background with the black circle. Yeah. What was that? Like you kept looking at it like it was a clock, but it was, I guess it's, it's the more that things diverted from its uh, intended path or what they were trying to control it, that the, the circle became less, right? So it's basically both. It is a clock uh, and it is also a visual like chart of the the status of the uh, the plan, so to speak, because they mentioned several times um, all these different paths. Like it, it, I got some deja vu's to um, Doctor Strange, which seen like fourteen million five hundred different oh, whatever, right. and like this is the only one where things will actually work out or whatever. So they were trying to do everything they could, and it also had a lot of implications of like, well, in order to stay on this path, so and so needs to be assassinated. And this country needs to revolt in order to set certain things in motion here. Like this thing was thinking like 1000 steps ahead. Right. Um, And so, yeah, anytime there was an aberration or a threat to this plan, you would see it show up on that black circle diagram as a, as an aberration, or I believe they had a certain word for it, but I can't remember it now. Uh, But something that was delineating from that path or something that was a threat to that path. And the worse it got, the, obviously the bigger, the the spike in that particular area mm-hmm. um, i think they call this crisis theory uh where you have a plan and then the variables start to affect it and it starts to show the aberrations in the overall timeline um and what i really liked about this is that i don't know if this was intentional i want to believe it was because it's this is from a Michael crichton work mm-hmm. but in the novelization of jurassic park uh chaos theory plays a much bigger role than the couple of brief lines that uh, Jeff Goldblum has. Yeah, yeah. Ian, McDow- Ian McDowell. <laughs> um, <laughs> Malcolm Ian. 
Malcolm, yeah, Malcolm Ian. I don't know why I got those backwards. Ian um, it's Ian, Ian Malcolm, yeah. And um, so in the book, um, a lot of the chapters, I don't remember if it's every one of them, but a lot of the chapters before they begin, they have like a, a fractal. And it's, it starts off kind of crazy looking and small. And as uh, it'll usually be preceded by like a quick quote about systems and control and chaos theory, because that's, you know, what his big thing is. And as the chapters progress, you kind of go further and further away from the fractal. And at the same time, it's getting bigger and bigger. And what it's meant to emphasize, which is what chaos theory says, is that even though you have all these random different things, there is eventually a system of predictability to a certain reliable degree. So that once you get far enough, even though you start off with a fractal that makes no sense and it's just random shapes, as soon as you start getting to a certain point, you start seeing patterns within that chaos. And then eventually, if you go back even far enough, you'll have like an almost 100% like confirmed action and reaction. Um, but you have to be so far removed of it that it like, you know, it could be anywhere from like several lifetimes or just an incredible amount of time to see the pattern. Um, uh, you could see it as an example, modern day, uh, you know, civilizations fall, you know, Egypt fell, Rome fell, all in different ways. But if you start from one point in the timeline to another, the end result is always going to be the same for one reason or another. It could be environmental, cultural, civil, uh, financial, and I liked how this is sort of the inverse of that, where you're starting with the order that you want to have, and then you're seeing the things that are affecting that order. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like the two ends of that, like a yin and yang, which also kind of reminded me of the yin and yang because of the solid white background with the black circle in it. Yeah. It yeah. was uh, that, that whole thing. There, there was this season more than the other two really had me nerding out because even though the whole show in general is definitely sci-fi, this was like more sci-fi. Yeah, no kidding. So you take into account that Insight was using uh, information. Insight, the company that Sirac owns, right? Yeah. Yeah, was using information that... Well, no, I'm sorry. Insight was the company that was owned, that owned Delos, right? That owned Westworld? Um, they bought them out, I believe, or they, they were. Yeah, he, he eventually buys out Insight, but it before like the idea that all the information that was being stored from Westworld, like how people act, all their inner thoughts, and you know all that stuff, goes into the algorithm for Rehoboam so that he can predict how people are going to act but then also know how to counteract those predictions so that you can get the outcome that you want. Yeah, basically. So Westworld, uh, they hint at it in the first season. The second season is a bit more uh, open about it. But yeah, they're definitely using research of people's behaviors. And it turns out that Insight was one of its biggest investors for that data. Right. Um, And... um, we see a lot of interaction as well. Uh, we don't get a lot of the man in black in this season. We don't. Um, I was going to bring that up next, but. Yeah. And we'll get some on to the behind the scenes of that as well. That uh, um, the actor whose name is also escaping me now. I'm so prepared for this. Ed Harris. Um, Ed Harris. Thank you. 
was also not happy with his limited screen time. But uh, also, real quick uh, side review to the meaning of Serac. Apparently, it means pinnacle uh, on the surface of a glacier. So, in other words, it's uh, it means the tip of the iceberg. Oh, okay. So that could mean that uh, yeah, that this is, we're just barely grazing the surface of what's really going on here. Um, so, going back to that, um, it, it, Rehoboam is using all the information that it's gathered, either from Westworld or from just the world itself, to create uh, the outcome that it wants, and then anybody that's quote unquote an outlier uh is either killed reconditioned or put into an as- like a, an asylum like they did with his brother yeah basically uh because they're totally committed like they they show you how you know the the people who were investing in rehoboam waited until it was able to predict stock market within like a I forget the percentile, but it was basically good enough to be like a hundred percent, basically. And um, Serac even says, like, you know, all they cared about was how good it was at predicting the stock market. They didn't realize its true potential, like its real worth was like far beyond them. But that was fine because it suited his needs just as well. Also, like all he needed was the funding for it, and then he was going to keep implementing it for its true purpose. Which is ultimately to save humanity, which is interesting because that's a theme that, you know, you could argue that Serac is the villain of the season, maybe of the whole series in general, but he's got a very Ozymandias approach to it. And, and yes, you know, the idea of, yes, I, I, I'm here to save humanity I'm, and that's exactly what I'm doing, but it's at the price of taking away free will. And that's yeah. what we don't care for. Right. And so that that leads to an interesting moral question, which is, is it better to have free will, even if that means we are leading ourselves to our own doom, or if we need that Rehoboam, that that <laughs> ship hurt, that that sheep herder, uh, you know, to keep us, you know, safe from ourselves? I mean, as the show presents it to us, yes, it's better to have free will <laughs> and have the whole and all of humanity die away than to live uh, being controlled by not even another person, but another machine. Like the the machine itself is what's controlling everybody. It sends out uh, information. It, it it deals with the person that it needs to have eliminated or done with, or it it manipulates stock markets to the point that it will topple countries or, or nations or or not, kind of thing. So yes, we don't want that. We we even if it does mean our own destruction. Yeah, like Emilio Emiliano Zapata says, better to live on your feet than die on your knees. Yes, exactly. Or die on your feet than live on your knees. It's the other way around. <laughs> I'm all turned around today. I don't know. I think I have some kind of cultural uh, dyslexia today. <laughs> uh, now, you can make commentary on the fact that in the real world, in our real world, are we like would we stand up to something that's manipula- manipulating us that way or would we just follow it along because it's convenient and just be like all right well that's this is what we have to do like that's kind of the also the idea of all those like um uh YA books right YA movies oh, yeah. it's like yeah it's, yeah the the maze runner the hunger games all of these different stories yeah yeah they're, they're all about the these uh dystopian fascist regimes and 
you know, what's, I want to say like the best, most, I want to say accurate, but probably one of the best depictions that's not a YA for this kind of thing in recent years has been probably Children of Men. Oh, yeah. Where you have like this worldwide catastrophe where humanity is basically on its last legs. I mean, we're doomed as a society. Everything is falling apart slowly. And that's what I think is probably one of the more realistic things is that uh, things would not it would not end with a bang, but with a whimper where things just slowly start to degrade and the quality of life. And, you know, people start wondering if it's even worth it to keep going. Um, I feel like we're seeing the beginnings of that at the end of this season, but at the same time, people are also being liberated. Cause one of the things that we see, and I thought was a really interesting choice to make here is that Dolores essentially releases the information to everyone because everyone is on some kind of social media um, right which which again is very close to reality and so all of a sudden everybody's like skeletons in their closet are revealed for everyone to see like there's no more secrets of any kind um not just things you've done but things that you could do are revealed um so you see that you know somebody realizes that their partner was being unfaithful or something like that. And or even having a fight in the subway. Yeah. Or that they're going to be, yes, that, you know, like they takes all these different things into account. Um, Which I so, feel like there wasn't enough fallout from that. Like, yes, there is a huge revolution at the end of the, the series where, you know, Marshawn Lynch, the football player is playing, is playing a character in, which I thought was hilarious. But um, like, I just felt like when they're on the subway and you see that stuff start to happen, it seems like the very next day, okay, yeah, a couple people got into fights and a couple things happened, but like it's still business as usual. Everything is still just going as it as as normal. Yeah, it's it's more like isolated little pockets here and there because uh, you do see like a much larger manifestation towards the end uh, when Dolores is trying to like make her getaway. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, the help of um, of Aaron Paul, what was his name in the show? Aaron Paul's character's name was. It wasn't Jesse, was it? <laughs> no, it, it wasn't Jesse, but he kind of is playing somewhat of the same character. Caleb, Caleb Nichols. That's right, Caleb. Um, yeah, so they're both in there, and I, I love his character, his storyline in this. Um, how so essentially, before you get into that, the char- character of uh, of uh, Caleb Nichols is a human, but he is being reprogrammed, he, his slate is being cleaned and being reprogrammed often just the same way that a host is. So, that is your juxtaposition this time around. Like, even though he is a human, he's still being treated as a host, even to the point that he has a little app on his phone that tells him what it, whatever criminal act that he has to go do next kind of thing. Yeah. It was like real life grand theft auto. Yeah. And they even played it that way. It's like, go make some money, bitch. Like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was awesome. Not only that, but how awesome are the uh, designer drugs that they have in this world? Yeah. What's a genre? What kind of weird ass drug was that? Like you're going through different genre of movies while you're, in real life 
when this happened, I I got because we had this was around the time that we had just finished watching Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And it gave me such a strong vibe. It was even right around the same time in the episode wise where we had the flashback episode where um uh the, the Regina King's character or Regina Hall's character took the drugs and saw everything in black and white. No, it, it's Regina King. Is it Regina? I always remember forget which right, one. Yeah. Was. I was just about to say that and we talk about that recently. Yeah. <laughs> Get him out confused. Uh yeah, where her character I, mean, I, know um, actor, I know which actor does which thing. I just never remember which which name to go by. Oh yeah, I I get that with Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman, uh, Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney. I mean, there's yeah. always these little overlaps that always yeah. mess me up. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was uh, when we saw that episode of uh, the flashbacks with the uh, nostalgia, and here he does a drug called genre, and he sees the world as different styles of movies, complete with their own soundtracks. I thought that was great. Like that could have been like show breaking, like jump the shark type thing. But I felt like, you know what? It's right at home here with the way that they're displaying it. It looks so great. <laughs> Cause the first uh, introduction to that drug is when we see the friend of Liam's that is on the drug watches Dolores like fight and kill some dudes at that party and she's like wow this is a really good drug so you can only imagine what it was she was experiencing because it's liam that later on injects caleb just um aaron paul's character with the drug trying to get away and like you see he's he's seeing stuff in black and white he's experiencing like stuff at super like it's not super speed but speed sped up kind of and then uh like, like different through- grainy filters and then what Marshawn Lynch's character at the end is like that last that last act is really going to get you, and like it just also happens to coincide with stuff that's happening in real life. Like it's pretty great. Yeah, it's very uh, matrixy. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty awesome. But and uh, yeah, like you said, it's basically it this this season definitely draws the comparison of like how free are you really. You know, when, um, you know, the comparison is the hosts have to live within this programming. Well, in this world, so are the humans. They just yeah. don't know it. Exactly. And, like the host didn't know it before, but now, yeah. now they do. And she, that's, so is Dolores the ultimate hero of this story because she frees all the humans? Or at least she gives the, the, she gives the opportunity to a human to free all the humans. Well, see, and this is where I was drawing comparisons to the Matrix. It's not just superficial. Um, there's even like a couple of references in the first episode where, um, if you've ever watched, if you're a big fan of the Matrix, like I am, you've probably seen the Animatrix and mm-hmm. read some of the uh, the comics that are t- tie into the movie. So, in the Animatrix, uh, there is a, sh- a couple of short uh, animes called the second renaissance parts one and two mm-hmm. which essentially flesh out the origin of the battle or the the war between the humans and the machines the ai and i mean honestly the westworld season three looks like it would fit right in there with that um there's even a few scenes that, that almost look like homages like literally the part where caleb is on a construction site job and he's having his lunch sitting on a like a beam or a girder next to a robot that's also there doing basically construction work well that's just like something it's like as caleb is isn't really the worker he's there to assist the 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 bot like the bot does all the real work and caleb is like pulling a rope or something like that yeah he's like he's the actually the 
lesser on the totem pole there. Yeah. Um, but the point being is that, yeah, he, uh, it's, it takes place in a similar environment where you have machines working alongside people where it's like, where's the distinction really other than this innate kind of, um, I want to say it's, it's not, it's sort of a xenophobia in a way where humans cannot, uh, recognize the individuality of, you know, AI essentially. It's like, no, like these are tools. These are machines. We made them. They're, you know, we people are above them. But here we see the juxtaposition that he's actually just another cog in the machine next to a literal machine. So at the end of the day there, he's, you know, the, given the choice, like in the Matrix, is like you can either break free. And yes, it's not an easy world. You're not going to be living a pampered life, but your decisions are your own. You know, the whole thing about free will. As opposed to, you know, there's going to be people who are so inured by the system that they won't want that free will. Like, they, they can't because what are they going to do? Like, and that's, a, that's an interesting philosophical question because we all are led to believe that free will is an ideal or some kind of uh, goal that we need to have or, or of, well, like a moral freedom or a moral right mm-hmm. is to have free will. Right. But the question is, do we really, and if we had it, would we want it? That is a good question. And that is the question that's that's given to Caleb. I mean, he sees all the death and destruction, even in himself. He killed his best friend when he was manipulated by uh, Enrico, whatever his name is. I, I don't remember what the character he's playing, but I just, I just know the dude, the actual, the actor's first name is Enrico. Um, like he's, manipulated into killing his best friend because he thinks that his best friend's going to kill him kind of thing the character played by uh cuddy C- kid cuddy yeah Frank Cudi. and um yeah so there you have like you know they're I, it looks like they're both given the choice um i'm not sure if they played it up as if the other guy doesn't know that this is happening or what it was but uh yeah he's manipulated and he makes that choice but did he really did he not have a choice um yeah i mean obviously it's 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 pointing out that he was being manipulated at that point but he still did have the choice of point i guess i don't know either way he's he's having all these things happening to him in his, in his own life to help him make the decision of whether or not people should be free or not yeah so ultimately it sounds like he chooses freedom anyway especially early on when he's told by dolores everything like hey like this is where you're going to kill yourself. And he was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, well, no, not now. Like, and, and it was still like a while away. Like things said something like 13 years from now or something like that. But yet and he still have memories of it. Um, I think maybe that was part of his conditioning. Maybe oh, they were. Implanted yeah. In yeah. Like, I think maybe they were trying to push him towards suicide also. Like maybe the system recognized that he was going to outlive his usefulness to, at, up to a certain point. So they were like feeding him that suggestion of uh, killing himself. Yeah, because he, he needs to get taken out of the equation. As he was labeled by Sirach that he is an outlier, that he is not pertinent to the outcome that we want. So we use you to the point that we need, and then we get rid of you. So yes, <laughs> you're probably right. It's it's probably being fed into him. And I love that you seemingly think that it's just completely random that the two of them, Caleb and uh, Dolores come into contact, but then you have to come into 
you have to come to realize that nothing's completely random when it comes to Dolores. No. She had an encounter, an encounter with Caleb a long time ago. Now, was this when was this on the, like the first trying of Westworld that they were being quote unquote liberated, or was this something yeah. that was a training? I didn't understand quite understand what it was. Yeah, so this was before Westworld became full on Westworld. This was um, when they were using it for military application, like simulating humans for human uh, for uh, combat situations where the soldiers could realistically fight against other human-like opponents in order to desensitize them to battle. And so you had some playing opposing forces and some playing like hostages or civilians. And so Dolores was in the group of civilians. And that was a really disturbing scene too, because then they, they, I mean, they don't lightly imply that the soldiers are going to have some fun with the female uh, hosts afterwards. Um, And Dolores remembers Caleb because he was like the first human that she noticed exhibited some kind of uh, like compassion. Yeah. And so she, that that's what started kind of like, I guess that remained in her memory or her mind for all that time, because then it was, it it had to have been at least a couple of decades after that. I wouldn't um, say decades. The Caleb doesn't look that old. Well, assuming that he was, you know, like in his late teens when he was in the military, right around this time, he's probably in his uh, mid to late 30s. Okay, yeah, fair. That's fair. Maybe early 40s if we're pushing it. I mean, he does look kind of baby-faced overall. (laughs) So, yeah, she chooses him because he showed her compassion. And uh, she even says, like, I believe she says to Maeve in the the kind of fake world that she's created inside of her own head that Maeve jumps into. Like if it was me, I would just kill them all. I don't give a fuck, but I'm leaving it in his hands because it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she, she can only show him the door. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, she even paints a world for Maeve to see like Maeve being with her, her daughter, like kind of thing. Like, I don't know. That, that was all, it's uh, there's a lot of things that they're gonna have to do with the fourth season, um, to 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 wrap up some stuff. So, also, you you said it earlier, like we didn't get a lot of the Man in Black. We also the stuff that we have with Bernard seems like throughout the whole episode, it's important stuff. I think we're supposed to believe throughout the whole show, the series or the whole season, that he's going to be the key to uh, starting the whole thing, but he's not. She literally just sends him on other things to do. Like he's, she just brought him out for, for, I guess, uh, either a scapegoat or a distraction. Yeah, I think it's more the latter. Yeah, he's a distraction. So, like, when he, she sends him off to go talk to Arnold Lowe's, uh, widow. Uh, and then after that, him and, uh, what is Stubbs, Ashley Stubbs, which is, the lesser known Hemsworth brother. Oh, they're um, going to do the lesser Hemsworth. <laughs> no, just lesser known. <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's out there just protecting our, uh, Bernard. And, uh, we get to the, this hotel room where Bernard puts on s- some VR goggles or something like that. And, Stubbs is in a bathtub full of ice, essentially dying. Yeah, because he's bleeding out. <laughs> yeah. Um, which 
why is he bleeding out? But like when Maeve and uh, Dolores get shot up all those times, they aren't bleeding out. I mean, I would chalk it up to they're just, uh, as far as your programming is concerned, much more advanced than he is. Like he probably still has his pain receptors and like other uh, injury simulators still going on because that's one of the things that Maeve did early on was she like basically upped all of her stats to 100. And then took down her pain. Yeah, took down pain and tolerances and all this other stuff just off completely. Um, (laughs) I mean, because we saw, too, like, Dolores at some point gets, like, her arm cut off, mm-hmm. and she's still going, you know? Yeah, it's even to the and point then, where she pulls an Ultron and just downloads her brain into another version of her body that has, like, uh, skin on the weight, like, on the ready. Yeah, she she gets into a, a metal uh, endoskeleton Terminator body. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably an advantage uh, over... You know, having these simulated flesh and blood, like three D three D printed bodies, because I mean, like it's one thing to simulate a human organism, you know, physiology. But if you're using it as a as what they use the host for, like for yeah. sex and 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 killing, but if she wants it for just to kill others and be more durable, yes, a metal body is a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, there's this carbon fiber lying titanium skeleton thing is probably the way to go. Still gets defeated, though. Yeah, she gets. Uh, but I think that might have been part of it. I think part of it is that she knew um, I got like a V for Vendetta vibe from it all. Also, is that she's like the instigator of the revolution. But at the end of the day, she's not going to be the one that's that actually you know sets it off it's going to be in the hands of those that are actually going to have to live through it so yeah. it possibly like a sacrifice there she, she definitely needed to be hooked up to the machine yeah yeah there you go and that's another matrix reference too is that in order for neo to defeat uh agent smith spoiler for the matrix if anybody hasn't seen it <laughs> in the last 20 years yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah neo needed to be hooked up to the matrix in order to beat agent smith and you know that didn't happen till way later because it had to, I guess, story-wise. <laughs> um, but Bernard goes in to see essentially the host heaven, the program heaven, right? That's what he does with those VR goggles. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be the Valley Beyond where like Akacheta and all of these other hosts uh, ended up going into, which if I remember correctly, that mainframe is still in Westworld. Uh huh. So, well, to me, it's in. It seemed like that mainframe got loaded up into the equivalent of a cloud, so it could be accessed from anywhere. That would make more sense. That would probably be better. Yeah. Uh, but then, so the interesting about that though is that when he puts on the goggles, he like switches off, and then we get a time jump. Yeah. Well, you remember when when Akacheta and all them jumped through that gate? Like their bodies kept going down like they jumped off a cliff and they were flying like they were dead and going down so as their consciousness got uploaded to the valley beyond so i would assume the same thing is happening there it's just it's not as violent for him because he's not jumping (laughs) through a gate off a cliff he doesn't have to plunge to his demise yeah Uh, yeah, but that that's still um that's probably one of the most interesting i guess teasers for season four is Mm -hmm. what exactly happened in the interim because yeah, because he's covered in dust and sand and 
even though he's inside of a motel and like no one came in there to disturb him that whole time what, what? yeah it it looks at this point it looks post apocalyptic outside i mean and, i'm guessing after the revolution that's what kind of happened yeah it kind of looks like the las vegas area of blade runner 2049 where it's just everything's covered in red now i don't remember exactly cuz you've seen this more recently than i have um did Stubbs's body uh remain in the bathtub was there like a host skeleton they didn't they didn't pan over to there so you didn't know okay because i couldn't remember if like when he snapped out of it and he looked around if there was like just like a desiccated host in the bathtub or if if it was empty meaning that Stubbs was like okay well i'm out of here now i'm repaired Um, yeah or healed or something yeah i'm sure Um, that that he's gonna be a person that's that's because his last programming is to protect bernard so he might have just been like wandering around that area just making sure no one goes in there to to harm him he just went out to get some food or something he's yeah. gonna come back in a little bit um and what's interesting about this time jump is that we don't really know what it's fully going to imply because at the end of season two there was a post-credit stinger that was apparently also a time jump featuring the man in black where the man in black was now full-on host um and we definitely get that uh here where we start off the season and it's still the man in black as a human. And then at the end, we come to find out that there's been a host version of him made um, who then kills the human man in black. I think think Yeah, he slashes his throat open. And I mean, who knows? Like uh, Willem, William just seems to survive everything. And I mean, if, if, uh, Umbrella Academy can get away with a throat slashing fake out, then so can Westworld. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> sure. You know, like throat slashings are now like, oh, a flesh wound, you know. So let's talk about the man in black. Let's talk about William. Uh, he is in that little room when we first see him that we saw him at the end of season two, uh, which I thought was supposed to be all virtual. I thought it was not, it was supposed to be a construct that he had just, his, he was uploaded into. Is that not what happened there? I don't think so. Um, the, everything with the man in black, because of how messed up his mind is, it was hard to tell what exactly he was experiencing. Like he was definitely going crazy. But then it sounds. It looks like he snaps out of it just in time for Charlotte to come and see him. But then, then he, he didn't because he's still talking to his dead daughter that he killed, even after that point. Yeah. Then he gets sent to the loony bin, and then he becomes the man in white because he's got like the hospital outfit up. But then same asylum gear. Their their big idea for like therapy is to have him like sit in a room with different versions of himself which include the man in black which include the younger william that we know from season one and then even a child william uh from this season and to to that point he just beats the shit out of all of them yeah he whips he (laughs) he uh, battles his inner demons so to speak uh, all of his personalities and decides that he is the the man in black i think I'm not I'm not real world William. I'm not child William. He has some kind of childhood trauma, right? Like, was he beaten by his father or something like that? Yeah, it it definitely the flashbacks show that he had some 
something that, to do with his his dad. I don't remember what it is at the moment, but it's definitely the that makes him. It makes it so that he is sadistic. Like huh? Is it, is it so that he becomes meek in like the real world? No, in the I don't think so because the child version of him like even has like violence on his hands. So it's I think it's by the time he becomes um the younger William that we see in the first season, he's repressed all that violence. But we've come okay. to find out that it's not healthy. Like even though that version seems like a good guy, we know all that evil is still there. So when eventually he doesn't get his way in Westworld, he becomes the man in black. Um, that's the true him. And that, and we found that all out in the second season. Like, he's like, this is the true me. We kind of had to reiterate that in the third season where he's like, no, this is the real me. I am this ruthless. I am this evil. Like I am this violent. He just wasn't like that in the real world, which I think is well. it was, it was kind of, oh, uh, you're right. Yes, it needed to come out so that the man in black was now like him 100% of the time, not, mm-hmm. you know, only when he was in the fantasy world, um, which ended up not really doing much for him at the end of the day, because he just ended up getting off anyway. And we're going to have a host version that I'm assuming is going to be the man in black times 10 now. And he's going to be like uh, Hale's personal bodyguard which we haven't really talked about but the disposition of all of the um dolores clones they mostly meet really bad ends yes yes uh and hail in particular yeah because dolores has her killed like has the hail version of her killed blows up the car which then kills michael ely and their son together uh and and scars up her pretty bad to the point yeah, where she, like 70 crawls out of that thing hard yeah She's still on fire when she's crawling out of the car. And that was pretty brutal. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> like I did not expect this to happen. Like, geez. Um, but yeah, I think that in a way also is like symbolically killing the last part of the Dolores that was in this version. And now she's like her own person now because they yeah. took away the thing that was differentiating her, which mm-hmm. is the, that need to protect, you know, the child. Um, and, and yeah, but the, but the next time we see her, She's mostly healed back up. Yeah, except for her arm. Yeah, her arm does. Like, it's probably singed a little more well, than not the, the rest next of her. Either, because we, the next time after the car or the car explosion, we see her calling Maeve, right? And yes. all they show is just her face. They don't show how much damage is really done to the rest of her body. Uh, but yes, when the when William shows up at a Delos building, I assume. Um, yeah starts shooting people and wants to talk to uh, Charlotte. He eventually finds her and is about to kill her. But then the robot version of the man in black shows up and kills him. Um, I, I think you kind of hit it on the nail earlier too, with uh, we're going to get a little bit of a matrix thing in season four, where you're going to see like, like a hundred men in black kind of like how you <laughs> see all those agent Smiths. Yeah, which I mean, if you want the perfect killer, I mean, you got him there. Just multiply him. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, where does that fall in the timeline? Is is this the same a post-apocalyptic world that Bernard wakes up in, or is this something different? Well, I mean, that's a very good question, because I, I have a feeling we're going to go back to Westworld. There's something still there um, that we haven't 
really fully finalized um, with taking a look at. So I have a feeling next season, if there is a next season, I don't even know if it's, there's been any announcement of it being filmed given the whole pandemic situation. But um, I have heard that if a season four is coming up, that we won't be seeing... Um, I'm not Jennifer Jason Lee. What's her name? Dolores. Oh, Evan uh, Rachel Woods. Yeah, Evan Rachel Woods, okay. which would make sense. Dolores is dead. Like, yeah, all the different versions other than the Charlotte version of her is dead. So, I mean, she could definitely have saved her body somewhere, or saved her mind somewhere, and then put put her into another Dolores body. But I get it. Yeah, so I guess uh, my speculation is we're going back. Um, they're still, and I mean, this was only in the simulation of Westworld that Maeve sees at the beginning, um, where we also see a really bizarre cameo, and I think also a reference to Jurassic Park. Does that sound familiar to yeah. you? The reference to Jurassic Park? Yes. I don't remember. So... There's a cameo when Maeve wakes up in the the simulation of the Delos underground facility. Right. And she's walking past, you know, certain rooms and you're seeing like host stuff going on, you know. I remember seeing the Game of Thrones like uh Easter egg. That was it right there. Um yeah, so there's a Game of Thrones Easter egg because it's a double Easter egg too. It's like very meta. Because you have Benioff and Weiss playing the two orderlies or whatever those are. Oh, yeah, and they have a Drogon like host. <laughs> uh-huh. From the looks of it. Yeah, and yeah. And one of them one of them is on the phone and he says, "Hey, I think I got a buyer, some guy in Costa Rica." Uh-huh. So Westworld would be the the playground for Jurassic Park. Yeah, basically. And, and that actually there's a fan theory that I remember seeing on Reddit that ties in Westworld to Jurassic Park, stating that the dinosaurs are technically hosts. Because they're artificially created. Um, but they're biological. They're not mechanical. Well, this goes a bit deeper. But yeah, basically they're saying that they created a certain uh, a system by which the, the host process begins with the zygote, essentially. And then they just start the growing process there. The main difference with uh, Westworld hosts is that they don't age or grow. Whereas these are meant to. From right. like from the egg in order to simulate the full like illusion that they're hatching dinosaur eggs um that the whole time those are technically hosts mm. um and that part of the aberration of their program instead of the them developing sentience or um you know identity is that their or their bodies rearrange so that they can then reproduce in a more natural way right so yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff there if you like that. I mean, like I'm a nerd for the this Crichton verse that they're making or that, <laughs> that they're hinting at. Uh, but yeah, that was a a really bizarre reference, which was also kind of ill received at the time that the show first came out. I do remember seeing some memes talking about like, oh, this is why they screwed up season eight; they were too busy filming this cameo or something like that. <laughs> well, um, in the cameo also like they that whoever's playing that uh, instrument is playing the Westworld theme song, but in a Game of Thrones version, right? I think so. Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. It was like more piano. It was more. Like a, it was a pluck uh, kind of instrument, like a lyre or something like that. Yeah, had a 
Um, whatever those things are called. Loot. Loot. Yeah. A loot liar. Same thing. Um, oh, somebody out there is probably going to be like, no, it's not the same thing, man. Like, you guys are dumb. <laughs> like, loots were only popular from 1600 to 17, blah, 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 whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's actually a sign that you're making it, right? Once you start having those like angry trolls that want to correct you on everything, yeah. I was like, that means we're reaching people. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Uh, no, I was just gonna say like uh, we've covered a lot of the main topics here. Uh, overall, I did want to say that uh, I thought that this season was just fantastic from the look of the technology. I mean, they have like essentially drone taxis that take people around everywhere and they basically look just like a like a a car sized version of a drone that you could commercially buy which seems like a very logical next step for those things uh-huh and then you have uh like motor electric motorcycles that look like something out of like akira in a way yeah. <laughs> like everything everything about the look of this world it it screams realistic futuristic if that yeah. makes sense like yeah. nothing seems that far fetched here um, as far as the technology is concerned, maybe a couple of the hologram things they do here and there. Uh, even Children of Men kind of had that, where like computer screens were basically clear glass, and like the images were displayed kind of like see through. Mm-hmm. Um, or the heads up displays that were in the the cars when you were driving, you could see like your mileage and your gas on your windshield. Mm-hmm. That was like probably the most far fetched stuff, but it still feels like it's within our grasp, like. Because it feels like that can happen within our lifetime still, this feels like this is like a realistic interpretation of the future, which is kind of awesome and also really scary at the same time. <laughs> uh, like, this is where we're headed. We're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I have to say, I just, I enjoyed the story in this one. Like, the idea we went out of the park, we're in the real world, but yet still keeping the same themes of free will versus being controlled and it, it wraps up so well. Like you, you, we got such good uh, versions of all the characters that we've come to love, so to speak. Yeah, I definitely want to say. Uh, of, I mean, I like the first season quite a bit. The second season, I did enjoy also, uh, but I didn't like some of the meandering that happened, like the mm-hmm. whole side trip to uh, Shogun World, although cool looking seemed very unnecessary um it it just felt like it was doing a little bit more filler this season well it was also eight episodes this season it was only eight for season three yeah as opposed to ten so maybe that's why it felt a lot tighter and I, i guess that makes sense too because you could tell that they probably needed a bigger budget so they had to like condense it down to fewer episodes to get their money's worth Mm -hmm. i mean there's a lot of of sequences that happen in like abandoned warehouses and out in the middle of nowhere uh i think at one point they go to like nogales or something do they is yeah that when they go to like the facility where the they had the the rehoboam like backup or something oh, like yeah, that. yeah 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 i remember them saying something like this is like a the a, a test facility in southern arizona or something like that and I I thought I saw a sign that said this was Nogales, and I was like, you know, the, the <laughs> Leonardo, yeah, DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio meme, yeah, to the screen there. Um, Speaking of locations, though, 
Do you remember back in the first season when we kept talking about where Westworld could possibly be and how it had to have been its own spaceship or its own planet yeah, or, or underwater, which was underwater. my favorite theory. Yep. No, it's just an island out in the middle of the Pacific somewhere. That's it. Closer, closer to China from the sound of it or to, yeah. uh, to Asia because um, that's where Bernard had his house. Wasn't it like Shanghai? Yes, I think so. But that's still it's it's not nearly as big as we we kept giving no. it credit. Which which I think um yeah, like I, I remember in some of the supplemental material, like they have a pretty healthy AR experience. Mm-hmm. Um if you go to like the Delos website and if you're really into following like these clues that they drop here and there, if you know about going into source code and finding like little bits of data that leads you to like other hidden stuff. Um they uh, they had something like that where they showed you a map of all the worlds and they showed you some of the sh- the worlds that we haven't seen yet and yeah it it definitely makes it look like it's much bigger than it really is on the show mm-hmm. i mean like you're in in uh, in westworld it definitely looks like in some parts it just goes off into the distance like it just keeps going and going until you eventually re- hit you know the, the ocean uh, but no, it's actually the it's like five parts, and that's just like one part of it. Yeah. So that and then you have. So I'm wondering, like, where is this where you can have a like old west type environment close enough that you can also have something that represents like India and like a snowy version of Japan? <laughs> I was like, well, maybe this is New Zealand because I mean, Lord of the Rings definitely had all of those different environments. And that all took place down there. So, so Dallas just been... brought up all of New Zealand and <laughs> turned it into an, an amusement park. I mean, honestly, I feel like New Zealand is the closest we have to like an entire country that's like a tourist destination. You know what, though? We're not taking into account that this is supposed to be the future. And Delos, Insight, and whatever it is, company it is that um, Ciroc owns, uh, they all have major amounts of money they could easily just build their own islands in the middle of the Pacific. Like uh, Lex Luthor style? Like Lex, Lex Luthor style or like in the real world, like they do down in, uh, what is that? The uh, Arab Emirates, the United Arab Emirates. Oh yeah. What, what's that place called where the super rich people are? The Arab Spring? No. Uh, what's it called? They have one of the biggest comic conventions there too really it's just, it's just because it's so, there's so much people with so much money there like the money is dubai so over in dubai like you can just have your own island built in the in the the water over there interesting they bring what if in it's land and just start like dumping in more and more dirt what if it's like uh in the ocean like all the trash is just accumulating so much it became a landmass I, I mean, that's a good way of reusing that that trash. Yeah, I mean, it's it might as well use it for something. Yeah, yeah. All right, John, that's all of season three of Westworld. Uh, I I'd say I enjoyed it overall. Um, sounds like you did too, and uh, quite a bit. And you <laughs> know what? If they don't do a season four, I think I'd be okay with it. You know, I would be I okay. Like- with it too. Yeah, this 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 it felt satisfying in a way. Like I and I kind of like that it was somewhat open ended at the end too. Sometimes that can be hit or miss. You know, it can feel like oh well, they're just copping out and didn't have uh, something you know there. But in this case, it's like 
we're given the choice of like, well, did they go through with it or did they not? And I think the natural inclination is to go ahead and assume that, you know, it is going to go the way of we're going to all have free will now. Um, but if they do make it, I'll definitely be back here so that we can talk all about it again. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know that they already, I, I'm pretty sure they already announced a season four. Uh, I, you know, there's a bleeding cool article that just came out like seven hours ago from when we were recording this about season four of Westworld. Ooh, hot off the presses, man. Westworld stars Revan H- Evan Rachel Wood talks season four reinvention. Uh, season three was a departure from the previous season. She discussed how the upcoming four season will continue to follow that pattern. Just in case you're not up to speed on the series this far, here's a major spoiling spoiler. Because Wood covers some pretty spoilery stuff, so you can say you haven't been warmed. Uh, last we saw Dolores in the third season, she had snuck copies of herself into the pearls. Uh, we already know she won't be back as we know her, but show creator and writer Jonathan Nolan was quick to reassure us that they love working with Wood and would not be writing her out anytime soon. So they they profess to being you know loving of woodworking. Yes, that's that's the main take from what I just said. <laughs> so if you want to hear this story, go visit our Facebook page, Geek Leap Media. It's all about Westworld Season 4. <laughs> uh, yes, we will definitely be here to talk about Season 4 when that happens. Might be a little bit after <laughs> after it ends, but we will, we will definitely be here to talk about it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MitchipediaGEM. Uh, GEM stands for Geek Elite Media. John, where can people find you online? Uh, if you must, I am available on Twitter and I am at Magic Bollocks. Please go and talk to him because he loves to talk to people about geeky stuff. Yeah. What's the difference between the loot and the liar? People come at me. <laughs> uh, if you want to talk to the rest of Geek Elite Media, it's at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekleapmedia.com. Please go check out our Patreon. We have buco buco amounts of uh, exclusive material over there that you can enjoy uh, if you become one of our patrons. And please, whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, rate and review us so it helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is Overtime on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to... Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.